Welcome to For Instance Podcast, the tech podcast where we spin out endless supposals about cloud, AI, the edge, and more. We sift through current events, opine about what it means for practitioners and leaders, and interview industry observers about where different technologies are taking us. If you like digging into the story behind the story in tech, this podcast is for you. Hi, folks. Welcome to the eighth episode of Foreign Sense Podcast with Sarah Music and myself, Sarbjit Johal. Hey, Sarah, how were the last two weeks? Earnings. Lots yes. of earnings. Big, big tech earnings, like all three cloud providers uh, uh, reporting, as well as AMD, Intel, and many others. We will go into that, and we will also talk about the new CPU launches by NVIDIA and AMD and the Snapdragon from uh, uh, Qualcomm and a few other news around there. And AI Summit at the White House, that was happening as well. NVIDIA's uh, CEO talking in New York at a university with students and he expressed his views about uh, the ban on China from US side. And that was very interesting um, uh, discussion. We'll talk a little bit about that, what his views are. And uh, yeah, well, what else? Uh, I think I think that covers it. We've got two really great through lines that we can cover today that really strike at the heart of what we wanted to cover and uncover as we you know, went through the life of the podcast, which is what's going on in the cloud and where is it going? And so, you know, earnings is going to tell us a lot about that. And then of course, what's powering the cloud and what's powering people's daily work. So, you know, some of that PC discussion is, isn't as important to the cloud, but a lot of that data gets shipped then to the cloud for, for use, for analysis, you know, applications written locally, all sorts of things. So we'll, we'll spend some time there as well. Yeah. Lots of fun stuff. Yeah, a lot of fun stuff. Uh, in, in the earnings, actually, the especially from uh, AMD, I saw that the, the client computing numbers were good for them. Mm-hmm. And I think for Intel as well. So the PC is coming back, kind of, you know, um, it was dead for a couple of quarters and now it's coming back. But but the more fun is happening on on the data center side, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say PC sales were dead for AMD specifically last quarter. Intel looked pretty good. AMD was down 50% year on year for, for, uh, for clients. So, you know, hats off from, from that standpoint, because it, it has been tough. It has been a tough year. So I think everybody's starting to see and feel the emergence of tailwinds again, you know, the kind of growth that we we'd expect cyclically. Yep, yep, yep. And then the AI PC announcements, you know, coming, you know, the PC will get some AI inference capability. You know, you will have some local um, AI, you know, you don't have to go to cloud to do some stuff, right? And as we know, the whole idea behind AI, generative AI is, especially generative AI is, that we compress the intelligence, you know, from 
thousands of terabytes or exabytes to couple of hundred gigabytes of file which contains all that intelligence so we're turning language into numbers and the proximity of words from each other uh, in all languages um, all over the world more digitized a language is more intelligence is there in ai from that language from that culture from that society that's how i see it you know so if any economies didn't um appreciate um, digitization they will lose in this uh, era uh, that's how i see it interesting stuff let's talk about the earnings first uh going to the cloud earnings all three cloud providers reported in one um week right um that was last week uh two earnings came on uh, tuesday that was uh, microsoft and google and um aws reported on thursday how do you how do you find those like growth numbers were way um or off in in a way that microsoft grew like at the double the rate as compared to um aws and google also kind of stumbled a little bit there was there were a lot of hopes on google because of the ai announcements uh during their annual uh, event um but uh, they right. they kind of yeah 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 a lot a lot going on oh, i think microsoft in the pr war in the pr prize fight microsoft came out on top because aws you know they they posted good earnings but the the year on year growth was slower then uh, was expected, they were expected, you know, more to post numbers, you know, in, in the neighborhood of like 20% year on year growth as opposed to 12. So that hurt them a little bit. I still, there's still obviously the 800 pound gorilla in the, the room. Microsoft with their intelligent cloud business unit, that did very well. Um, I tend to have a little bit of an issue with how they report the numbers because yes. they, they sure. are very, they, they, they know that this helps them because we really don't know what the actual Azure numbers were because uh, Intelligent Cloud, that business unit that, that uh, Azure is part of, Microsoft doesn't report to the street about Azure specifically. Like um, Intelligent Cloud is in, inclusive, inclusive of, you know, Microsoft SQL Server, um, Windows Server, Visual Studio, System Center, and GitHub. Those, all of those are in Intelligent Cloud. And so it's really hard to know, it's, you know, and some of those are important to what extent Azure is representative of those numbers. So as a total, as an aggregate, you know, those, those numbers from a Microsoft perspective looked really good, you know, increasing 13%. Um, year on year um and google or google they really kind of took it in the teeth this quarter 22%. i know you have a lot of thoughts about why so i'm i'm a little bit of a google cloud partisan i think they're they're kind of a cool startup within within the google organization which is so ironic to say but the customers who leverage Google Cloud are, are quite 
loyal to them. And I do think long-term they have traction. This was a tough quarter for them. So why, why do you think that is? Why do you think Google is not maybe executing in the way that was expected? I think um, I think two things. One is the the pace of change has is so much in a generative AI sort of area that even a couple of months matter a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So AWS, okay, not AWS, Azure launched um, their AI services um, in January this year. Right, so that that was like a months before uh, Google did. Right, Google did um, bought a lot later. Right, mm-hmm. and AWS was even late. Uh, Gang Bedrock. Right, um, it was just last month they did it. Right, so I, I think that when you put something out there and people are start start chewing on it, developers and and other sort of um, ISVs from developers and enterprise developers, um, it takes little time, you know? Yes. So that, then they write the contract with you, they start consuming your services. I mean, it, 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 did, it hasn't played out for Google and AWS yet on the AI side, what what the, the contracts will come in and the new business will come in, right? The new workload will trickle in. And that was very clear from uh, uh, Andy Jassy's remarks during the, the earning call and he he particularly said that i tweeted a couple of times and even with it with his soundbite that he said the the contracts which came in in september which can't be part of the sort of that last quarter earnings what the contracts came in in last few weeks of that month which will be in the next quarter they were more than the whole quarter you know, so there's a lot more business coming in mm-hmm. now for AWS. And I think same is true for Google, even though Google folks didn't say it that way. I think they will gain from their generative AI sort of muscle, if you will. But um, it, there's a delay, um, time delay. That's one thing. And the second thing I have always um, sort of criticized Google Cloud folks is that they don't have the empathy for the enterprise workloads and the CIOs of existing, you know, legacy, if you will, enterprises. There it is. Uh, yep. Yeah. I think that is the key, actually. The way they come across through their marketing messaging and what 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 examples they show. Um, you know, they, they they show flutter programmers you know like flutter you know hold on like that's a very new thing you know why nobody's doing flutter applications at enterprises i mean not nobody but way less people you know, they're playing with that so it's just um, um uh, that disconnect there and the boots on the ground matter matter as well so aws started early um but when it comes to boots on the ground microsoft has the most you know uh, they mm. have they have they are well they have well entrenched uh uh, connections with the corporate uh, and IT, you know, so they're benefiting from that. Those are my two cents. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. You know, walking, if I, if I walk backwards and start with Google and kind of reflect on your thoughts, I think your, your point about 
empathy for CIOs and embeddedness with the traditional enterprise is a really important one. And related to that is issues of cost optimization. I do think that for the remainder of the year and into the beginning of next year, especially since the geopolitical situation has increased in uncertainty, cost optimization is going to be really important. Cost optimization for traditional American enterprises typically, I would say, maybe eclipses, you know, more so-called cloud native organizations just because they see it as a cost of acquisition. You know, innovation and agility are part of the total cost of acquisition of customers and of market share. And so they're not as worried about the sticker price of cloud services, but traditional American enterprises are. Google has less market share. And so they're, you know, perhaps a little more vulnerable than the other two are. And of course, Microsoft, we've talked about this before, has has a has SQL server and, and Windows server to sort of uh, bludgeon people with. Um, it, but, um, you know, because of those dependencies, uh, and then, of course, AWS spearheaded the industry. And so I don't think their numbers look quite the way anybody thought. So it's interesting to see, and we're going to get to this later, but a little bit of a tailwind starting for semiconductors and for cloud. I wouldn't say we're seeing a slowdown by any means, but we are seeing a sla- a little bit of a slackening of uh, the pace. and. I actually think it would be more substantial were it not for AI. So yeah, definitely. Cost optimization initiatives are going to continue to be there, perhaps, especially if organizations are interested in investing in generative AI and things like that. So yeah, I think the AI, generative AI, is a blessing. It fell into the lap of all these cloud providers. Without that, it would be like so hard uh, times for them right now. I agree. Um, there are two more factors, actually, uh, I missed in the my previous remarks. One is the 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 VC dollars are slowing down. The cost of money has gone up. You know the rates yes. going up uh, today. Fed announced uh, that they will they, they will not they will pause, but uh, but the uh, chairman's um, thank pause. goodness. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I I just had to interject that. And there, his tone is like as ambiguous as you know Fed ever can be you know so, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we may raise later you know like we want sustainable control of inflation all that stuff so the so valuation of the startups are going down a lot of startups are folding shops you know they are just like okay, we're done you know pe- people are we see are not in, infusing more money or they're just saying okay just stall whatever you're doing you know you can't go further so that is happening and that has impact on any cloud provider which is more uh, startup friendly, and we know who it is. AWS is more yes. startup friendly cloud. The most startup friendly cloud is AWS. I believe that. I think most most of most of the people will agree with us. And the second thing is that the difference between services which you sort of touched upon, how Microsoft reports earnings versus. Amazon and as techies, we don't like that. You know, we don't like that intermingling of SaaS with the infrastructure as a service and platform as a service. But as a 
as a, a financial analyst or people who want to make money from it, they don't care. They That's just true. want to know who That's made right. more money. They don't care if it's infrastructure or SaaS and all that. But having said that, at Microsoft and Google, they both have good SaaS portfolio and Microsoft has even bigger sort of software portfolio, as you said, um, uh, on a SQL Server. And then there were some mentions of um, their older, you know, software, SharePoint. SharePoint was mentioned somewhere. Uh, I was like, what? And then uh, then they have um, many applications. They have gaming. I mean, they have a lot of software stack, if you will, right? Uh, As compared to SaaS, I mean, I mean, as compared to AWS, which has a couple of things, you know, they have uh, uh, transcribed services for medical professionals. That's one last thing they came up with. The other thing was the call center application, right? Which are like very small as compared to Microsoft and Google's offerings on the productivity software just alone, you know, it's huge. And by the way, I think we talked last time in our last episode that um, the AWS is getting a productivity software from Microsoft and it's $1 billion. Yes. That was big billion dollar contract. Yeah, that was uh, so for I, I, Microsoft 365. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in the, I think in this, in the near term, in the near future, I think, I think um, AWS will do pretty good as a cloud provider, but not having SaaS portfolio in their offerings um, will come bite them in very long term and I, when i when i say long very long term it's like you know from three years from now or and onwards of three to seven years or three to ten years so they mm-hmm. the, so what I'm, yeah what i'm yeah. hearing you say is they have to move further up the stack it's not yeah. enough for them to have their own distribution of linux or whatever they have to start owning opportunity further up the stack yeah, that's yeah. interesting. One, and yeah, don't disagree. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, the one argument, last point, the one argument AWS usually gives is that, hey, we have chips, like we we are better priced to performance. Even in AI, they're, they're you know, two native chips, you know, for training the AI uh, models and also for inference, right? Um, uh, Graviton and Inferentia chips, right? I'm like, I'm like eh, yes, but we know the margins in the hardware business are way less as compared to margins in software. Mm-hmm. That is the de facto statement, you know, you can make and nobody can prove you wrong overall, right? Of course, you know, if, you, if your software is sucky, you'll have sucky margins, but overall, you know, other things being equal, software margins are much better. And because software economics is much better because, you know, you just copy, you just sign up another contract and you don't have to build another chip, you know, physically and get right. all physicality comes into that. And again, all these um, things which go into a chip versus like things which go into software. You just, you just sign up another, you know, con- contract yeah. and, 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 and get some more capacity on your servers for storage and compute and networks and all that stuff. So yeah, that's another yeah. thing. And yeah, go keep keeping going with that thread of thought. And I, you know, I agree with the thrust of what you're saying is that I don't necessarily know that that's AWS looking for an opportunity to increase income as it is to limit outgo. And and by that I mean it's expensive to buy from 
the the semiconductor companies and the the chip manufacturers. And so if they can if they can limit the outgo, the internal unit price of a service goes down. So um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if that works for them, to your point. You know, because traditionally it it hasn't been until recently that folks think about driving down as opposed to driving up. But I think that'll be really, really interesting. So one of the things that uh, Satya Nadella kind of talked about during Microsoft's earning, earnings call is, is being something that they think is really going to help them. And of course, there have been a bunch of events is co-pilots. He mentioned that as sort of a headliner that co-pilots are really going to make this happen. And which I thought was funny because, you know, we know from the standpoint of driving revenue for them that Copilot isn't doing that right now, that even with that $40 a month that they're, they're op- it sounds like they're operating at a loss right now. But what do you, you've had some thoughts about Copilot in the, in the past, but do you think? I think they yeah. gave numbers. They gave numbers on Copilot. How many people are using it? It's it's a huge number, and that number will increase. Of course, the Copilot are on not only on one thing, but on different things, right? So the developers have Copilot in in the productivity software and design software, and all, all kind of Copilots, right? So I think that is that is considerable amount of business, and it's not only some things are just a you know, uh, loss leaders or doorbusters is what we call it, right? So they bring people into your platform and then you, you know, once you come through the door and you buy more stuff, you know? So it's like when we go to Target or Walmart, they have things right in the front, you know, like, oh yeah, yeah, just, or when you get the ads of their ads, this, like a, like a, you know, blueberries are, you know, $5 a pound and whereas normal price is 10 you know, for example, uh, by the way, talking about blueberries, I, I'm a regular consumer of that, and I'm having tough time. I can't find blueberries anywhere because <laughs> Panama Canal is dry. And uh, talk about the connections. Uh, global warming has made the Panama Canal dry, and we can't get the blueberries because the ships are stalled there or something like that. So, anyways, um, uh, coming back to, to this. <laughs> it's uh yeah it's all these connections (laughs) between you know different supply chains and um, that that plays a role but but another thing actually i don't miss it's very funny and and clever uh sort of um tagline somebody put that um person named yuri k uh from idolias he say from scary fast to scary accessible you know scary fast event happened yesterday yesterday, a day for yesterday from mm-hmm. uh, from Apple. So they launched their M3 chips and all that stuff. It's like, like you know, they call it scary fast because it was on the eve of, uh, um, yeah, of Halloween. Halloween and, actually, yeah. yeah. Happy Halloween to you all folks. Yeah. You know? <laughs> we hope you had a good time. Um, so yeah, um, so that, um, what they're trying to say is that there's a new service or not service a new option aws has given people to that they can um, they can reserve the the gpu instances for um 
AI or ML workloads uh, in even in the short term. So they have the pricing tab and all that. There's how much it will cost you per hour and all that stuff, right? So for a day and all that stuff. So this is that's that's cool actually. Uh, so they're trying to appeal to the to the ISVs and the newcomers, like, hey, come test your models here, and and also looked at Hugging Face and uh, crazy number of uh, models out there. Oh so yeah. Anybody can get a model and train that with their transcripts of their talks or their email and like they can, you know, turn their, you know, all that data. What well, we all have a lot of data, right? Including pictures. And by the way, many, many, um, there are many models which are multimodal. So they will, they can, they can get intelligence from your pictures and videos and your text as well. So, uh, amazing stuff going on there uh, i think uh, that makes me think that that aws will will win um the developer side it, it will be there will be delay because what microsoft has microsoft and google has is more more application side of the sort of uh, stack if you will but what aws is has an infrastructure and platform by the way i will say that google has platform as well but in for on the infrastructure side uh, Google um, sings like that song, like little week, uh, weekly, you know, they're tuned, they're not tuned in on that front. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm going all over the place. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. One, one last thing I think uh, it, worth mentioning here before we sort of exit conversation about uh, earnings is, you know, of course, generative AI, we've talked about the other two we, and we've mentioned, tra you know, Trainium and Inferentium, you know, the two chips that we ha we have from AWS, but uh, Bedrock. So yeah. AWS Bedrock, and to what extent that'll be a driver of growth. They're following a familiar business model that AWS has used, which is the consumption of infrastructure is primarily what they're going to charge for. So, you know, they've, they've really created this repo of models and they're looking to get even more in there. And so... Uh, you would provision an environment, you know, a serverless environment, you know, an instance where you can begin to perform machine learning. You can, you can uh, fine tune, you can, you know, do inferencing. And so, uh, you know, they're really kind of banking on rather than a complete product, like, you know, a chat GBT slash copilot or, uh, you know, uh, a duet AI or a Bard or something like that. They they are giving you the opportunity to do the last leg in the box. So you know you're not working on creating a foundational model like you're not building it from the ground up. But they they're giving you the launch pad to, to train your own models. Yeah. To yeah. and so I I think it's in, I think it's intriguing. You know from a practical standpoint. I think that um, it'll help a lot of organizations who are concerned about the provisioning and, you know, the headache of fencing fencing things off. But here's the irony: people expect all of that already. So I'm not convinced if that market differentiator will really help AWS in the long run. But I do think it. I think Bedrock is an interesting offering. So, where do you think it fits in the market? Okay, I. 
I'm, I was a developer. That's how I started my career. And I developed a lot of software. I still am a developer at heart. I think anybody who appeals to developers will do good mm-hmm. uh, in in this next, you know, you know, 12 to 18 months, at least, if not more. Because a lot of people think that, oh, AI is here now. We don't have to write software. No, no, I'm not. No, it's the other way around. Like, we need more developers, actually. We need more people trained on AI. Not only the developers, we need to also train our execs and decision makers on AI, what it can do for their business. If you don't, if you don't educate yourself on the newer technology, which is, by the way, changing on hourly basis, you know, the new multimodal models, and even within each mode, if you will, um, there are more capabilities being built and things are becoming faster. The inference uh, cost is being reduced to the nth degree, if you will. And that's where most of the efforts are sort of going into, like how do we reduce the inference cost? Um, that's um, what I'm learning by talking to these, these folks who are practicing these or who are building these platforms, if you will. The developer, actually, a developer angle is huge. Um, um, cloud... Um, super cloud 4.0 happened um, last week and I um, I went there and I participated in this segment where we were wrapping up day one um, it was in Palo Alto the cube folks uh, Silicon Valley the cube folks do that event you know it was the fourth event the whole idea behind the super cloud is like anything which is being built on top of cloud that's called super cloud you know uh, so that means the cloud providers are abstracted, you know, uh, likes of Snowflake and those kind of services and Okta and others. By the way, talking about Okta, a couple of hacks on Okta actually, are, they have taken their, their stock way down and and uh, people are questioning, like, can we use the, the service provider, a, 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 um, a identity provider uh, in the cloud as a viable option that was huge as well so coming back to the super cloud you can comment on that in a minute uh, f- uh finishing up the super cloud four so the the one thing actually i said uh, my parting remarks was that we need to train people we need to train 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 on ai if we don't know what are the capabilities you cannot map the use cases people are saying oh map the use case make sure you are making money from it you know you will never know till you know what this thing can do for you it's like you go to a store and you look at the a tool if you don't know what it can do for you there's no point in thinking like oh i will fix this with that or that with that you know so yeah the basic things first train 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 um to the practitioners that's my advice to the leaders who make the decisions to the developers make sure you play with this stuff it's important sorry go ahead yeah i agree i have a really silly uh example or comparison to ai and you were you were saying sometimes it's kind of hard to know what you can do with it unless the organization has entered into a a a season of experimentation and of course you have to be careful about how you head off but it's kind it it's like it is a purchase in the sense that you make an investment in time and energy. But I had a flashback to a friend telling me a story about buying a vacuum from a door-to-door salesman. And this this guy came to the door. And of course, my friend was thinking, well, who are you? Why are you here? Why would I buy a vacuum? And the guy was so magnetic 
you know, personality wise that he ended up talking to him for a few minutes. Can I guess? The guy said, there's no sense in our talking about it. Let me show you. And he actually walked into my friend's house and started showing him where and how it could help. And as soon as my friend saw that, he said, I want one. And he, he dropped like a bunch of money on this vacuum he'd never seen before because he saw the value. He saw what it could do. If you told him in the abstract beforehand, Hey, you're going to spend a bunch of money on an expensive vacuum. He would have, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing that. But once, once he saw what it could do for, you know, his family for himself, you know, right there, silly example, but I do, I do think, um, you know, there's a lot of fear. That's one of the things that I was seeing in the news earlier today. You know, there's a lot coming out of Washington. There's a lot of fear about, about AI and, the power of what it can do and to what extent that can be used for good or evil. And I think that's prudent. Technology is a moral, but the use of it quickly turns in one direction or another, depending on the human who wields it, of course. And, uh, but, you know, having said that we have to, we have to be able to kind of tinker with it to really come to a conclusion about what it can do. Yep. My one liner is that to outcompete your competition, you have to out-educate the market. And not only the market as a vendor, but also as, a, as an enterprise, you have to out-educate your competitors. Like if you're Ford, GM, you have to out-educate, you know, um, the Tesla people, you know, like means like you have to train your people on AI and, and you know, computer vision and self-driving, you know, all the, you know, autonomous driving, if you will, uh, needs that those that, that know how on the AI side and whatnot. Let's go to it, semiconductors. Oh yeah, so yeah, that we we almost missed that one. Yeah, it's your area. Let's let's let, yeah. let me hear from you. What do you think about the the new chips being launched and um, um, the earnings as well? Yeah, a lot going on. So you know, Intel and AMD both posted earnings. Both had a really nice pop after hours based on what they reported to the street, uh, you know, in shortly before Intel's earning call specifically, uh, NVIDIA announced that in conjunction with uh, AMD that they're going to be working on a new ARM-based PC chip. So that was one thing that came up in the questions from the analyst community afterwards to, you know, Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger. You know, to what extent do you feel like this is going to be something that you have to consider? Because the client numbers for Intel were were quite strong. AMD's numbers year over year this quarter were extremely strong, like 40% up year over year, which they kind of had, they had a really extreme swing because last quarter they got kind of got bludgeoned. Uh, yeah. So that was, that was interesting. Um, and then there's, you know, kind of all bundled up into this. We've got Snapdragon f- from Qualcomm because, you know, and that's supposed to be re- released in the, the middle of next year, this ARM-based uh, AI-optimized, you know, architecture for PC. So they're working with the OEMs right now. And then uh, last bit of news in, in that whole cycle is that um, there was a Wall Street Journal exclusive uh, that came out yesterday or the day before about the fact that NVIDIA has $5 billion right now on the line in in business in China right now, given some of the new uh, legislation and guidance that's coming out, um, right? You know, not legislation, I guess I should say, you know, from a 
executive order perspective, there's um, there's some some angst there. And given Nvidia's market cap now and how all they're doing at the as a company, five billion dollars, not the end of the world. It's I don't care who you are, five billion dollars is still a lot of money, and yeah. it's also from a morale perspective, you know, it's important to keep a, a tab on. So that's that's sort of the flyover of uh, what we saw. And oh, the last thing I would say too is Intel's foundry business will be really interesting to keep an eye on because uh, the they they have been operating at a loss just because they've been spending on manufacturing and stuff like that, or, you know, construction of buildings. But we're starting to see that Delta narrow. And in terms of what they're producing in the way of revenues, it seems like they're just uh, just getting started. So they've been yeah. very vocal about their foundry ambitions. Yeah, what the percentage percentages are huge, you know, on the foundry business, of course, because they're just starting and it's like huge percentages, but in absolute numbers wise, um, it's very small amount, right? But but that is the hope actually. In, and also keeping in mind the bigger picture, US wants um, the a US company, A or two, one or two or three US companies to own the fab, you know, um, that is the, the crux of the problem, you know, the, the main fab for the tier one chips is in uh, Taiwan and that is you know a contentious point with China and then they will they might try to take over there and then we have to bomb those factories and nuclear factories whatnot uh, so they don't get their hands onto that technology uh, which uh, goes into this national security argument on that note actually um, I, I don't want to go on a tangent yet okay uh, what um, uh, what Jensen said at, at a university in, uh, in uh, uh, New York uh, uh, a couple of weeks back. Um, so that's, yeah, just take a look at that, you know. Uh, I, I'll, I'll tweet as well. Actually, I created a special video just on that question a student asked and he went on and on and he kind of, he was, um, it was like a, it, the talk was like, he thought nobody's is recording him. He was like totally, you know, interesting. Like yeah. uh, of the like a no, not being politically, you know, very conservative. He was like, yeah. we believe in human rights, and if we stop the chips, like, oh, are we violating human rights? Well, he went to that level. Wow. Yeah. Of discussion there, I'll put that out there. Uh, yeah, it's. Um, I think it's chips are okay. I'm a big fan of the theory of disruption from Harvard University, you know. Um, the theory of disruption says that to disrupt the big big guys, in this case, Intel has dominance on the on the PC chip, you know, uh, for, you know, decades now. To topple them, you have to come with the, with the low price alternates. You have to come from the bottom up and then topple the big guys like this. So you have to come, with, come up with the like you have to go to the non-consumers. That's number one theories thing that says you know which makes sense. Means like people who are not buying expensive stuff from them, they will buy cheaper stuff from you. But then you gradually move up, move up, move up, and your product is at par at some level. And then later it's it's getting even better than the 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 top vendor because they are trying to keep their margins 
intact and then you don't care about the margins you topple them that way so that way i think the amd and nvidia combination will do better than snapdragon snapdragon is being totally. playing naive. they're playing naive you can't just you can't just come in front of a giant and say i want to kill you no no you have to go into the sort of legs area and then start you know tickling them or whatever and then frankles. <laughs> 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 you have to find those weak spots right, right. but it's usually that that um that uh uh, theory of disruption says that you have to have like this low price product to start with and gradually go up it takes years and they want to just come from in the from the front and do it that way it won't work I th actually i need to write um, a small um sort of a linkedin post or something like that so so that i can say i said that i told you this mm -hmm. you know, i um, called it they will fail yeah. I think incidentally fail. yeah what you were describing that's one reason why I think Google Cloud over the long term will continue to make inroads is because they're adopting exactly that strategy. And so yeah. I'd like to think that that's what's going to happen, but we will see because execution is part of the is is part of it. It's a huge capacity of being that disruptor against the incumbent and you know grad, gradually flipping the script. So they actually yes, to the Google folks, you know, Richard, maybe you're listening and you tell your folks which is rotor I'm talking about. Uh, yes, you're, they are following the theory of disruption, but they are not following the, the theory of jobs to be done, which is from the same university. Mm -hmm. You know, the theory of jobs to be done is a very interesting topic. If, if listeners take a look at that, watch a video on that. It's so fascinating to watch um, the examples, um, you know, um, Clay, Clayton Christensen gave in his talks. Like, why? knowing the problem domain at depth level that's what we talk about the cio pain points google needs to 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 focus on theory of jobs to be done as well as as much as they are doing on the theory of disruption actually you are i think spot on that's that fair. they are executing on that front yeah yeah, yeah. Wow. great right. we're, we're, great conversation we're, today sarjeet i know it was uh, yeah it was, <laughs> really was like energetic uh, sort of conversation that's good Thanks all for listening to this episode and uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you, um, Sarah. Thank you, Sarbjeet. Thanks for listening to For Instance Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show today. If you did, please feel free to leave us a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify. When we're not recording, you can find Sarbjeet reacting to and discussing current enterprise tech news on Twitter or X. His handle is at Sarbjeet Joal. And you can find me, Sarah Music, on LinkedIn, interacting with tech news or occasionally posting a literature quote. We welcome your feedback and we'll see you next time.